Thank you, Lauren. You know, that is so hard to do, to be able to sing a cappella like that. I appreciate that very much. Uh, I have to make a little room for myself here this morning, or this evening. Um, I'm really glad to know, I, I hope you are too, that um, one of the wise men thought to bring batteries for baby Jesus that morning. <laughs> Merry Christmas to all of you. It really is good to be here with you. You know, I have shared uh, with you, well, actually I've inflicted on you uh, my woes when it comes to Christmas shopping. As you know, I only have one Christmas gift to get the one for Anne. She does all the rest of the shopping. I'm really so blessed. But it always seems to be such a a struggle for me to get that one thing done. And if I told you right now that I still had my Christmas shopping to do, you probably wouldn't be too surprised after all I've had to say about it. And you'd probably think, uh, poor Anne, at this point, I guess you'll have to make do with uh, something from Royal Farms. <laughs> uh, maybe he can get her one of those uh, little scented air fresheners that you hang in the car, or maybe a gift card for a box of sliders. You know, it is entirely possible to put something off until you can no longer do anything about it. The opportunity passes never to come again. After all, Royal Farms might be out of those scented air fresheners. I want to come back to the thought about missing an opportunity a little bit later. But in the meantime, so that you don't feel too sorry for Anne, I will tell you that I did get all of my shopping done and she will be surprised. Whether she will like the surprise or not, well, that may be another story. The buying is all done. There may yet, however, be the gift returns. Now, we, we go through all of this, the buying and sometimes the returning of gifts, because it's Christmas. And I'd hate for you to think, even for a minute, that I was complaining about it. I love this time of year. Uh, it's busier, yes, and you have to put yourself out somewhat for others, but I wouldn't have it any other way. There is just something good about this time of the year. If I wouldn't be understood by so, misunderstood by so many, I would say there is a kind of holiness which hangs over it all. But since our culture has robbed me of that just right word, I'll settle for saying this. There is a great goodness all around us at Christmas time. It, it all happened so long ago, you know. It's been over 2,000 years now since God gave the very first Christmas gift to the whole world when he sent the best he had when he gave us a son. An angel, Gabriel was his name, appeared to Mary and said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. Now, this would happen even though she was a virgin. The angel explained how the power of God would overshadow her, and the Holy One to be born to her would be called the Son of God. And he also told her, this son of hers will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God Almighty will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And such was the message from heaven given to Mary before Jesus was born. 
And yet, after such a great promise, things got off to a little rocky start. Joseph, who was engaged to Mary, needed a visit from an angel himself to encourage him to take Mary home to be his wife. He was going to call it off. After all, she was going to have a baby, and he knew it wasn't his. The angel told him all he needed to know. And then the king of that time ordered that everyone had to go to their hometown to be counted. And that was a hardship with Mary ready to deliver almost any day. And they arrived in Bethlehem. And there's no room in the inn. So the baby was born in a stable. But he was to be the king, wasn't he? He was to have the throne of David. And he would rule forever. But when we look back, we don't see a kingdom, do we? Instead, what we see looming in our field of vision is a cross. But that was part of God's plan, too. Now, as a church, over the last few weeks, we've talked about God, how God planned for that very first Christmas from before the beginning of time. And down through these centuries, he was telling about that gift, telling us about the gift that was to come, until finally, when God had prepared everything just so, in the fullness of time, as the Bible says, God sent his Son. And we understand, too, that he came for a purpose. He didn't come just to give us a nice story uh, about a baby being born in humble circumstances or so that we could have a pleasant holiday where we could give gifts and sing Christmas songs and eat good food and as fun as all that might be. God gave us his son to save us. We're lost. You and I, left to ourselves, have no hope. Every human being who has ever lived has done things which make us unfit for all the good which God wants for us. And we can't fix ourselves. We have to be saved. So God sent a Savior. He sent his Son. And in so doing, his Son died and paid for our sins. Before the kingdom could come in its fullness, there had to be the cross. And what Jesus did for us was holy. It was just so incredibly good that a great goodness hangs over all of Christmas even now. Don't you just sense it? Is there any other time of the year like this? Are there any other celebrations that even come close to it? Even when people get a long way away from God, it takes an even longer time before the glory of Christmas completely fades away. It's that good. I know we can get distracted. We can get up and caught up in all the busyness of the season. But, but think about those times for a moment. When all the gifts are bought, when everything is prepared, the kids are in bed, or you're the kid who's in bed excited, and yet you sense, you feel, well, well what is it? Is it peace? Here on earth, on us, on people upon whom God's favor rests, even on those 
who have forgotten him? The other morning, Anne cooked some sausage for breakfast. It was really good. And, and after, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and after breakfast, I went to the back of the house and I worked for a couple of hours. And then I walked back towards the kitchen and I could still smell that sausage again. And it smelled just as good as when she was cooking. The odor lingered. It reminded me of the way my grandmother's house smelled in the early mornings when I was just a kid and I made my way in for a late breakfast after she'd already made a big breakfast for the men before they went out into the fields. It's a good smell. And the goodness from Christmas is like that. It lingers. We could say it this way. If you want, it casts its light forward on everything that comes afterwards. Even on those who no longer even think about a baby in a manger who is the Savior of the world. God gave his son, and 2,000 years later, Goodness still lingers. Now, I want to make sure you understand something. You know, God gave us his son. That is, he, he made his son a gift which he offers to every man, woman, and child. But it's a gift. It's not something which is forced on you. Someone can offer you a gift to give you something, but if you don't take it, it's not yours. I can buy you a gift. I can drop it off at your house. I can put it on your kitchen table. But unless you accept it, unless you open it, it does you no good. It can sit there on your kitchen table year after year. And it could be the best thing you ever had. But if you don't accept it, it's just as though you didn't have it. In fact, you have effectively rejected my gift. That's not a big deal, I know. If you don't want what I might be able to give you, it probably wouldn't make a real difference in your life. Not what I have, what I could give you. But you might want to think again when it comes to Almighty God. By not taking his gift, you reject him, and you turn your back on life. Listen, Jesus is the only way you survive after this life. And if you take Jesus into your heart as your Savior, you will never be sorry. Quite the other way around. You will be sorry one day if you don't. No one who's ever received God's gift of his son ever wanted a refund. Never wanted a refund. They never wanted to return the gift. Lots of Christmas gifts get returned. They're the wrong size or the wrong color or the wrong style, or the wrong whatever. Maybe they're just plain hideous, but not that gift. Whoever receives that gift considers it his or her greatest treasure. You know, the Bible says that uh, there was nothing in Jesus' appearance which made him attractive. It wasn't what was on the outside that mattered. It was his heart. It's his goodness. It's his love. It's who he is. All of that draws us to him and causes us to love him. And those of us who've come to Christ know how much others are missing, and it breaks our heart. Now, we don't ever want to return that gift. But that gift, one day, 
will himself return. You know that lingering smell of the sausage which Ann cooked that I told you about? Well, earlier in the day, I smelled it while it was cooking. And then it wasn't a, a reminder of some good thing that had been, but a promise of something good to come. I knew I was soon going to eat some sausage. So the goodness of Christmas that lingers over our world points back to what God did for us, but it's also a promise of the good which is yet to come. For the king himself will return. He will take up his role. His followers will come at his call, and we will enter his presence never to leave, and we will reign with him through eternity. I will tell you a mystery That is a good thing which we could not know if God had not revealed it to us. Jesus is already ruling in his kingdom. It's not come yet in its fullness. Its boundaries aren't geographical. Uh, We know where the capital city is. It's Jerusalem, but the king is not yet sitting there on the throne. But he rules even so today in the heart's of his people. All around our world, the people of the king are outposts of his kingdom. We live and we love and we invite others to come in. And so I say to you, come. The baby born in a stable and laid in a manger also died on a cross to pay for your sins. He offers you life. He is coming again. Do not wait. It is entirely possible to put off something until there is nothing you can do about it. Do not let that happen to you. I've told you, uh, some of you, this story of something that happened to me when I was a very young teenager. I was in North Carolina visiting relatives. It was nighttime, and I was standing and talking with a uh, uh, man. It was so thrilling for me, a little teenage boy, to be able to talk with a full-grown man, and he treated me like I was somebody. And as we were talking, he hit me in the shoulder, and he pointed up in the sky, and I looked, and there was this bright light in the sky. And as I stood there and watched, that light got bigger and bigger and bigger. And soon, out of the four houses that were right in that area, everybody was outside, and we were watching. 20 or 30 people standing around and we were looking at this light and it got bigger and bigger and then it kind of opened up in the center so that it was a halo and it got bigger and bigger and bigger as it covered the whole sky and my grandmother who was a wonderful Christian woman she said with a thrill in her voice maybe the Lord is coming back now and she was thrilled and I was scared to death because I knew I wasn't ready. I've become a Christian since then. And I know one day he will come back. It will be him. That was a rocket that had to be detonated up in the sky because it had gone off course. But one day, it will be Jesus Christ. And are you ready? If you hear his voice, don't ignore him. There comes a point when you can no longer hear him call. And if you're not ready when he comes, there will be no place for you to turn. You know, call for the rocks to fall on you to hide from God, but it will do you no good. Today 
is a day of salvation. 2,000 years have come and gone, but his promise still stands. Come to him and he will give you rest. He will give you life. 2,000 years, but not a word of God ever fails. He said he would come back. He meant it. He will. And I pray that you'll be ready. You put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will then know what Christmas really is all about, and it will be merrier and even sweeter in the coming years. My Christmases as a child are pale in comparison to what I know now. He is coming again. The gift returns. And in the meantime, I pray for all of you, both those inside and outside the faith, though my prayer I add for those on the outside that you would come in, but I pray for all of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I say it again. Merry Christmas, my friends. Merry Christmas. Can I pray, please? Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for um, loving us, even, Lord, when we forget about you. Thank you that before any of us here ever gave you a thought, in fact, before this world was made, you loved us, and you knew what you would do for us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you that he was not only born in that stable, but that he died on that cross. And the story is not over because he's coming again. May we rejoice in that. And Father, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, who has not given their life to you, please, Lord, work in their heart. Don't let them leave. Don't let them leave without getting that straight. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.